From sunny Minnesota, it's the Ride Ready Podcast, brought to you by the Players Help Center. If you're not an expert on off-road vehicles, that's okay, because neither am I. I am Joe Zemer, and through this podcast, we're all going to learn a little bit more about Polaris off-road vehicles. Today, we're going to be joined by two people who are experts. First, we're going to talk to senior systems engineer Amory Cool about the Polaris variable transmission. Amory has worked at Polaris for nine years and is an avid rider of Rangers and Razors. Then we're going to chat with service engineer Charlie Mills about some additional features that can be found on ORVs. Charlie has been with Polaris for two and a half years and leads serviceability and diagnostics for all Ranger and general vehicles. So let's get right to it, shall we? Joining us now on the phone from Polaris Engineering Headquarters in Wyoming, Minnesota, is Amory Cool. Amory, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let's start with talking some transmissions. So a Polaris off-road vehicle has a Polaris variable transmission. Uh, starting with a technical standpoint, what does that mean? So with the Polaris variable transmission, or PVT is what we call it, it means that it's effortless to the user. You're always in kind of the right gear at the right time. Now, you, you may have to select from high gear or low gear if you're operating really, really fast or really, really slow. But for the most part, when you're driving, you pick one gear and it's stepless. It's always running the right RPM when you want it to. It puts you able to focus on driving the vehicle. So when you're entering a corner, exiting a corner, you don't need to worry about downshifting or upshifting. The power is seamless and stepless. There's never a time when you get into the throttle and you're up banging on the rev limit and you can't accelerate as fast as you would want to. It puts it puts the focus of driving you know, onto the steering wheel and the pedals and takes the whole shifting part of it out of the equation so you can rip as fast and as hard as you can if you're on a razor or on a ranger be as controlled as as you possibly can without having jerks that could you know upset a heavy load that you may be carrying or spin tires on sensitive turf for that so i guess for, from a rider perspective then the important thing to point out would be that do not shift this thing while you're driving it correct all of the transmissions on polaris vehicles are meant to be shifted when you're stationary the style of dog engagement that we have is there's no synchros on it. Uh, and if you shift while you're moving, there's just too much speed to take up in the transmission. It, it, you know, best case scenario, it causes some noxious grinding noises on there. Worst case scenario, you could cause transmission damage on there as those dogs engage and potentially shear a tooth off if you try to shift while you're driving. So, so looking at it from your end, uh, from the engineering standpoint, what went into deciding to go with the PVT and what do you see as the big benefits there from from your day-to-day work uh, standpoint? You know, the Polaris moving towards PVT started very, very early in the company's history. We're a a snowmobile company. uh, We were founded on snowmobiles back in the 1950s, and variable PVT or CVT-style transmissions were inherent to the snowmobile industry and starting in the 1960s. And we've taken, we've owned that PVT style of transmission and really made it a a competency of ours. Like nobody really does CVTs as well as Polaris does. Uh, And we've been able to make it work extremely well across, you know, a wide offering of vehicles, everything from snowmobiles that are, you know, sports snowmobiles to utility snowmobiles onto Ranger utility products to very high-performing Razor-type products and and ATVs that are uh, performing work every day on farms and ranches. The real benefit is kind of like I already mentioned, it's it's always in the right gear. You don't have to worry about 
clutching or having you know jerks in it as you step from one gear to another gear as you would with a other types of automatic transmissions or manual transmissions. And there's really no other transmission style you can have that enables you to focus more on the driving aspect of it, be it, you know, driving fast and sawing on the steering wheel as you're carving up tight trails, or if you're transitioning to go up a sand dune, you're, you never have to, you know, downshift as you get partway up the sand dune. The engine is always clutched running at the right RPM for peak power on a razor on a ranger. It, it provides the best balance of acceptable performance to tow and get the torque to the ground to get the job done while not being loud and, and, and screaming in your ear, so to speak, as you're trying to visit with the person who's next to you or uh, enjoy the scenery. If you're, you're trail riding. Let's go back to something that you mentioned earlier. It's about high gear and low gear. Um, how do we as riders know when to use high gear versus low gear? This is, probably one of the most common questions I get actually. So we, we don't really give a hard set. If you're going X miles an hour, switch to high or Y miles an hour, switch to low. Candidly, it's, it's going to depend a little bit. High gear is the gear that you will most often use. And we've changed some of our low gear offerings though. It's still to make low gear a little bit more usable. So a couple of examples of that would be on our, our Ranger product line. The low gear in our Ranger product all will go at least 25 miles per hour. And low gear is going to be the gear that is the best for the belt and the CVT system. It puts all that stress and that strain into the transmission, which is, you know, hard, strong gear to gear type interfaces. It alleviates a lot of the stress on the clutches and the belt. And for Ranger vehicles, if you're on you know, steep hills generally going less than 10 or 15 miles per hour with a load on it, you should probably be using low gear, but you could absolutely be towing, you know, a heavier load going 20 or 25 miles per hour in low, and that's not going to hurt anything. In fact, it, it drives to lower CVT belt temperatures and increases the longevity of the system. It's kind of similar with razors. The one thing that we've done that's pretty unique on a lot of our razors uh, specifically the Razer 900s and the Razer XP1000s is we've found that a lot of customers drive those on trails and when you're driving on trails it's all too often you're cruising along at a pretty decent clip on the trail and you need to stop and uh, previously we had to stop shift into low gear to go over a log or to go through some water you don't want to splash up you've got a mud hole you have to go through you don't want to get you know, blasted with mud. And on the Razor 900s, the Razor XP 1000s, we've tailored that low gear to be really ideal for trail driving. And on those models, you'll find that low gear goes in excess of 40 miles per hour on all of them. So for most of your tight trail type of driving, low gear is the gear you want to be in on those Razor 900s and the Razor XP 1000s where, you know, 40 is a pretty decent clip if you're on a on tight trails where there's a lot of those obstacles you need to come over. You get into more open terrain, high gear is absolutely there, and that'll put you up to 70 or more miles per hour on those models. Uh, but again, it's it's a little bit subjective. The one thing that, you know, is, is always, always there is anytime you want better low-speed control, be it, you know, inching forward, inching backward to hook up to something, Reverse is very similar to low gear. If you're inching forward, low is going to give you kind of 
better low speed control of the vehicle. If you're very heavily loaded, you're stuck in mud, you're stuck in sand, all those situations, low gear is the gear you want to be in. Heavy loads and less than 15 or 20 or so miles per hour, low gear is the gear you want to be in. But high gear you also find is, is pretty capable. And so it's, you know, I go back and forth and I contradict myself a lot. There's a lot of jobs that can be done in either gear is, is the reason for that because of the range and the versatility of the PVT system is it, it works, you know, pretty well in that 10 to 30 mile per hour range, regardless of high gear, or low gear, but low is kind of, um, it's best for high loads, it, really high loads and low speed and low is what you want to be in the other state place for low. And this is, you know, one of the most important things as a CVT engineer is like belt break in. And there's been a lot of news out there and a lot of information and unfortunately misinformation about belt break in and low gear is the gear that we want to be breaking in our vehicles. And the, the misinformation being, Oh, it's, you need 50 miles in high gear, taking it easy and varying speed or a hundred miles. Even I've heard uh, taking it easy. The reality of it is, is almost nobody wants to spend a hundred miles or even 50 miles breaking in a vehicle. That's, you know, a couple of days of running in many cases and you get just as good or even better of a break in using low gear for five to 10 miles. Uh, and you don't need to be particularly gentle on the belt either in low gear, still, you know, no wide open throttle launches from a stop, but you can be fairly aggressive with the throttle on it and very speed, like on razor products, you can trail ride almost as you typically would very speed from 20 to 40 miles per hour on a razor. If you're in a ranger, go from, you know, 15 to 25 miles per hour, varying throttle. And that will break a belt in phenomenally in that five to 10 mile range. And it's not, you know, super intrusive to do so. It's easy to do. Uh, and the main thing is just get the belt flexing lots of cycles and have pretty low load into it. And low gear guarantees you've got low load. What other advice would you have for someone who is maybe new to ORVs or just upgraded from an ATV to a side-by-side or is just getting used to a PVT for the first time? Well, the first one is going to be to visit with your local dealer on kind of some of the ins and the outs. They may have some regional specific tips that they've accumulated just from, you know, knowledge of the local terrain that they've, that, They've had folks driving on for, you know, 20 plus years of experiencing vehicles. And there are definitely some regional tips and tricks that help more than others. Uh, The other one is going to be, it's not really a a torque converter type of a system. The CVT does provide a tremendous amount of clamp on the belt to try to get heavy loads moving. But if the engine RPM is high enough that it should be engaged, and typically on Polaris vehicles, that's going to be above 2000 RPM. if you're sitting, you know, sustained RPM above 2000 and tires are not rotating, we need to do something to stop that slip that's occurring or belt damage will result in, you know, it can be as fast as a matter of seconds. It sounds like a very short amount of time. The actuality of it is it, it is pretty long when you're actually in the vehicle, if you know what to listen for. So if you're stuck and you're trying to inch it forward and tires aren't rotating, for sure, first be in low gear. Second, if it tires aren't spinning and you're at 2,500 RPM, either give a kind of a brief but 
uh, fairly aggressive and still maintaining control of the vehicle burst of throttle to get the tires to come loose from be it mud or be it sand uh, or else you need to you know stop it's possible you're winched in deep enough that you're not going to guarantee tire rotation but we what we absolutely do not want to do is sit there and very very gradually very slowly apply the throttle and allow that belt to slip uh, for you know multiple seconds at a time here and there a second or two seconds of slip is is absolutely not going to damage the belt but if if nothing is spinning on the tires but the engine is revving above 2000 over time that will cause damage and can can cause damage relatively quickly if you're in high gear and the engine rpm is is quite high all right amy well thanks thank you so much for uh, sharing some of your expertise with us today and we really appreciate the time absolutely thank you for having me we're joined now in studio by polaris service engineer charlie mills charlie welcome to the pod Hey, Joe. Thanks. So let's touch on a few more features that can be found on some of our Polaris ORVs. Some vehicles, like the Ranger XP1000, feature ride modes. So that's a, what, a three-mode control switch that can be found on the dash. Uh, can you walk us through those modes and when we should use them? Um, yeah, so these vehicles use an electronic throttle control, otherwise known as drive-by-wire. Uh, what this means is that there's a sensor on your throttle pedal or your lever on an ATV uh, that knows what percentage of throttle the driver's requesting. Uh, what that throttle request is then used for is determine how much to actually open the throttle on the engine, uh, increasing or de- decreasing airflow to the engine and thus causing more horsepower or torque. Uh, ride modes on Ranger, at least, are work, work standard and performance. Uh, what these modes do is provide a calibration change that alters your throttle pedal request versus the actual throttle plate percentage you're given on the engine. So in work mode, for example, when you request maximum throttle, you'll only be given a percentage of the throttle opening on the engine, it makes the vehicle easier to drive and maneuver, making the throttle less snappy and responsive. So, like in performance mode, when you request full throttle, the vehicle's computer is giving you maximum throttle opening to provide maximum horsepower and torque, making the throttle more responsive, more snappy. So, in standard mode, you're getting kind of a mixture of the two between work and performance. The responsive throttle that's more balanced and easy to control for doing work with your Ranger still. Uh, in performance and standard mode, the throttle will eventually open to the same amount, but performance mode, you're getting that throttle opening faster. So standard's a little bit slower application of the throttle um, and kind of an easier easier to control than performance. Uh, work mode, on the other hand, will only open the throttle a percent of full throttle. So it limits your top speed and kind of makes that vehicle better for slower speed work. So another feature we'll find on some of these ORVs is turf mode. For starters, what is turf mode? What turf mode basically does is open the rear differential. So the reason an open differential is needed is because when turning, your outside wheel will always be spinning faster than your inside because it's having to travel around a much bigger circle than the inside. So when you think about a vehicle driving in a circle and watching both the inner and outer wheels, the outer wheel will travel in a much bigger circle, so it has to spin faster to do that. Uh, In two-wheel drive mode, the rear wheels are locked together and spin the same speed, both turning and driving straight. But a lock differential is preferred for off-road to always have power applied to both rear wheels and rough terrain. So what turf mode does is it allows those rear wheels to spin at different speeds so the t- rear tires won't lock up and skid while you're turning. So building off that, then when should we be using turf mode and why? Yeah, so anytime you're turning on asphalt, hard pack, grass, something that you don't want to tear up or you don't want to ruin your tires on, you can use turf mode to open the differential. This allows the rear wheels to spin at different speeds, so... The rear wheels will not lock up and skid while turning. It's a good way to protect your grass or protect your tires from skidding on high traction surfaces. 
Um, you shouldn't use turf mode in a few situations, though. Anytime you're climbing, towing, um, descending hills, side hilling, any, any of that low traction, rough terrain, you should be in two-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. If you're in turf mode on rough terrain, one rear wheel could slip and lose traction, or it might lift up off the ground and then grab again when it touches the ground. Um, you should not switch between turf and all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive while on the throttle. It's, it's best to release the throttle and switch modes while coasting to a stop. If, you, if you're switching between those modes while the wheels are spinning or spinning at different speeds, you could damage the drive line. So one thing you mentioned there were two-wheel drive and all-wheel drive. Uh, let's look at those two in a little more depth, starting with two-wheel drive. Kind of give us the lowdown on two-wheel drive and maybe when we should be using that mode. Two-wheel drive mode can be used anytime you're in a low traction situation, but don't need all-wheel drive. Um, it's a lot of those high-speed, uh, low traction situations where you do need the rear wheels locked, but you shouldn't be using turf mode and you may not want any drive from the front wheels. It's, it's a lot of... A lot of two-wheel drive versus all-wheel drive decisions come from the operator and maybe their driving preference or their driving style. If you want more bias from the rear wheels providing power and maybe slipping a little bit in the rear, you'll probably use two-wheel drive. If you want a more controlled and even power distribution, you'll use all-wheel drive. Um, I think many people prefer leaving the vehicle in all-wheel drive since Polaris uses an on-demand system. Uh, but in two-wheel drive, you'll never get power provided to the front wheels. So you mentioned a lot of people will prefer all-wheel drive. Tell us a little more about that and maybe why you should be using that. All-wheel drive is definitely the mode I use most often when riding. Uh, Polaris on-demand all-wheel drive system only uses the rear wheels until traction is lost. So when you lose traction on your rear wheels and they start to spin, the demand drive and front wheels will start to engage and provide some added traction. Uh, when the rear wheels regain traction, though, then that demand drive and front gear case will automatically disengage and allow those to kind of freewheel. You should never turn on all-wheel drive when the rear wheels are already spinning. You should either have all-wheel drive already on before you get yourself in a driving situation that needs it and that the rear would be slipping. Or if the rear wheels are already spinning, don't just hit your all-wheel drive switch. Release the throttle before switching. Um, I mean, anytime you're in really rough terrain, you should be basically be in all-wheel drive. Okay, one last thing let's touch on here. Some vehicles will have what's called active descent control. First of all, what is that? And secondly, when should we be using it? ADC, or Active Descent Control, basically controls hill descents on rough terrain without any brake input from the driver. So anytime you're on a descent that you don't feel comfortable braking on and need to focus on maneuvering or steering, you should put the vehicle in ADC to help control that descent and use the vehicle's all-wheel drive system to kind of control that descent with all four wheels. So anytime as ADC is being used, though, all-wheel drive should be on and you should be in low gear. ADC can be super helpful for, like, towing down hills, um, kind of helps to control that added weight and extra load on the vehicle. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for dropping some knowledge on us. Uh, thanks again to Amory Cool, and thanks to all of you for listening. If you like what you've heard, tell your friends, leave us a review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the Ride Ready Podcast. The Ride Ready Podcast is brought to you by the Polaris Help Center, your first stop for vehicle information, maintenance tips, and how-to videos. Look for the help button in the upper right-hand corner of any Polaris brand website.